0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Aisha Torah here in practical spirituality overlooking the Temple Mount in the holy city of Jerusalem. We have a problem in, in our, thank you very much, we have a problem in our, in our situation as Jews and that is uh, that our very foundation is rebellion. Jews are supposed to be rebellious people. That's what we're all about. We're like, we're we're like, destroy the system, blow it up. We're like a sociopathic tradition, Judaism. Here's a spot right here, if you want to be near me. I mean, think about what we're all about. Let's give a few examples. Uh, I know, our founder, Abraham. Abraham, wouldn't you, you, you wouldn't call him exactly a good son, okay? He's, he's a total hardcore rebel, Abraham. He's, he is the rebel. And, and, he's, and he's really being real very rough on his father, who's like a community-style leader. I mean, the guy's the idol-maker of an idolatrous place. I mean, that'd be like owning Google or something, you know, like, like he, that, that was what things were about back then. And his father was the manufacturer and he went and destroyed the place. He then went and, inst- but he was like this highly spiritual guy. So highly spiritual people generally are more reclusive. They hang out on mountaintops and stuff and sit Indian style and say, "Om," not Avram. Okay. Avram's going to be right in town and get right into your face and laugh at you for being so into materialism and physicality and stuff. He was, he was persecuted for this. People hated him for this. Because, I mean, you would also hate someone. Ima- imagine, I, mean, I guess some of you like me if you came to my class, but imagine I followed you around for 24 hours and told you exactly what you can and cannot do. <laughs> How would you feel about me after about 24 hours? How about a week or a month? How about living with me? You know, but all these Gentiles have had to live with us all these years. And it explains anti-Semitism pretty simply. I mean, I know observant Jews that make you feel like a goy by the time you're finished at a Shabbos meal with them. You know, it takes me like three years to forget, never to go back there. And then like three years later, he's making Kiddush, and I'm like, I did it again. Now, the... So that's Abraham, Abraham's total rebel. Even the king of this area, Mesopotamia, I don't know where it was, but they, Nimrod, King Nimrod, tried to kill him, tried to throw him in fire, like, like, he was really persecuted for this. But this isn't a class on persecution. So let's get back to our rebels. Why don't we take it to our foundation? Our foundation is Passover. That's how we became a nation. You know, that was it. And what did we do? We were commanded by God, which means God likes rebels. We know he likes Abraham. Yitzhak's getting in all kinds of trouble with, uh, with uh, you know, uh, uh, Malch, uh, no, uh, who's he in trouble with what? by the Philistines? Avimelech, yeah. I was going to say Avimelech, but it was too nice a name. <laughs> he got in a lot of trouble with Avimelech in, uh, in the, uh, where were they? Wisdom. It was called Plishtim. No, it was, it was called. Plishtim. Erds Plishtim, yeah. Anyway, he got in a lot of trouble with him. They, couldn't, they could not get along at all. Um, Yaakov, let's go, sorry, we're not going to Passover yet. Yaakov and and his, two of his sons, Shimon and Levi, are, you know, they're, they're just a family. And they're like, oh, we like this area, which was called Shem. You know, here's a lovely area. And there's a whole nation here. So like, you know, that looks cool. We'll hang out here for a little while. And what happens is, you know, without going into a very important detail, which I'm going to skip right now, They say to the leaders of the town, hey, why don't we be brothers? You'll marry our kids. We'll marry yours. We'll all be one big happy family under one condition. That you circumcise yourselves. Every male. And the king and the kingdom and all the subjects of the kingdom. Every citizen circumcises himself. And on the third day, I mean, this is major surgery. Depending, obviously. And there they are, on the third day, they can't even move, and Shimon and Levi just come in with swords and just like kill everybody. They kill the like everybody. There's no one left alive from the from the men there. <laughs> they come back to Yaakov. Yaakov's like, "What was that?" <laughs> They're like, "I mean, now I'll tell what happened is they, they defiled our sister." You know? But like, we're radical, man. We are radical. Like what happened to court cases and stuff, you know? Jews are radical, and they do crazy stuff. That's a crazy thing to do. Now, back to Egypt, is, Egypt has a god and they're, well, I'm sure they had a ton of gods, but one of their main gods was the sheep. And we see that the Torah commands us to take their sheep into our homes and it was considered one of the miracles of the leaving of Egypt was that when they asked us, like, where are you going with our God? They, the Jews would answer, well, we're bringing it into our house to examine it for blemishes, because in four days, we're going to slaughter your gods <laughs> to our God. And, and the miracle was that they didn't just kill every Jew right there. And they, they managed to pull it off. They got away with it. And they, they did this, you know... You, you, that would be like, what would that be like in America today to do that? Burning money. Burning money. Burning the American flag. Uh, I don't know what's the biggest god of that. I don't know how many people would be offended if you burned uh, like a Trump flag. Yeah. Anyway, you get the picture. We're rebellious. And there's many, many more, ex, ex, there's many more of those stories. And especially amongst the Gentiles. So what's our big problem? Our big problem is, is that we have to educate our children. And the way we educate our children is we put them into systems. But systems and rebellion don't go together. Meaning having a, having a rebellious child is, on the one hand, in Jewish history, that's considered like as good as it gets. 'Cause if you look at our history, it's like having a rebellious child is like you, you scored. I mean you somehow the genetic pool from Abraham just came like right into you, you know, or right into your child. And would you love to have a rebellious child? How would you like that? Yeah. If and it's really funny because that rebellious child gene is, is really more than anyone, it's Avraham. Avraham is the rebellious child. Yitzhak, even though he got in some fights, Yitzhak really represents system. Yitzhak's all about system. And that's Gevura. That's the meat of Gevura. It's very system oriented. What's interesting about this is if you imagine people praying at the Kotal to have a baby, and they're praying, you know, please God, please, we want to have a child. And the, but if you actually think about their prayer, what they really want is, or what they're really praying for is that the child should be at Sadik. Right? That the child should be at Sadiq. You even get blessings like this that your child should be at Sadiq. But if you really go underneath it all and look at it for real, what they're really saying is let me have a Yitzchak and please don't give me an Avraham. <laughs> give me a Yitzchak. No Avrahams, please. I don't want anyone who rocks the boat. You know, just give me a nice, normal kid. I'll just take an, a Yitzchak who like fits in. I don't want to be getting called home from the principal, you know, because of my Avraham kid. You know, I want a Yitzhak who just fits right in. Anyway, so this is one of the major issues that we have is that is that we have systems that are built to be that that being called a good kid means that you stick with the system. But that doesn't mean you're a good Jew. This means you're a good kid. You know, when you got to marry off children, bless you all, they hit that stage at some point. When you're marrying off children, so you got to find a good boy. But, like, you know, when I'm listening about the boys, potential boys for my daughters, I'm like, for, I'm like tell me something, like, Tell me something he did wrong, please. Like, give me, give me, like, stop telling me how, how, what a good boy he is. You know, because I'm not, I don't want to marry my daughter off to a wet noodle. you (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm, I want her to have a Jewish marriage with a man, a man, you know. So, our system what we do is we breed out those people because anyone who's born in avraham is generally going to fly like go far from the system he's gonna he's he's more likely going to be on the streets than in the system if he's a real avraham he's going to be leaving yeshiva real quick and uh, moving out to the streets a little bit and then we call them the bad boy It's really interesting. So we're breeding out leadership, really, because someone who sees outside the system is your likely leader. I mean, that's the way things work. Things there's um, there's kind of construction and deconstruction in society. It's always like building up a system, and then and then the system kind of breaks and becomes something. Something gives it gives birth to something bigger than that, better. And it's very hard for people at the top to to see. Where the system needs to rot, you know it's very hard to rot the system you're running because you have a job and a salary, and it's really hard to rot the system away when you're running it. There are some genius CEOs out there that you'll see will actually like take down their own company and then build something new. And you know any examples of that? I've heard of a few cases like that. I can't remember. Apple. Apple did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Steve Jobs at one point didn't they fire him over that? <laughs> so, anyway, the the top of any system generally doesn't melt down their own system, and they lose their they lose the pulse of the dynamism of life, because every system is going to need a lot of correction as it goes, and and that correction is generally going to come from the bottom, and. And after a while, it becomes top heavy and it just crumbles and falls because the bottom's bottom's coming up. And that's going to be happening, by the way, in the Jewish world too, which is really freaky, that that's going to happen to us because it it happens everywhere, so it's got to happen to us too. And it's it's a really interesting situation we're in right now because um, 30 years ago even, 30 years ago, if you meet a Hasidic Jew... He's completely and totally uh, cloven to his rebbe. Like he's cleaving to the rebbe of that particular group. Anyone from the age of 16 to 80. 30 years ago, it was like that. 30 years later, anyone you meet today, I'd say between 16 and... 45 maybe something like that is is basically a loose cannon you know they're they're amazing amazing people and they're doing amazing things but they answer to nobody you know there's plenty of individuals that still are totally cleaving to their rabbi (coughs) but, but that's not the norm anymore that's not the norm I mean you can go to like crazy new age seminars and there's Hasidim in them. You know, you can go to like some Northern California, like trippy hippie place, and, you know, several of the 40 people who paid the five grand to be there for the week of, uh, vegetarian food and, you know, and meditation and, uh, God knows what else they're going to be putting in their bloodstream in Northern California. And, but you you're just, the last thing you're expecting is a Hasidic Jew in there, but there's five of them out of the 40 there. And what it's doing is, is very interesting is it's moving at an accelerated pace because it's not just that people are kind of like not really in the system anymore. But, but it's accelerated because they're, these people, the majority of these people I'm describing are in America where everything's available. It's all available. And they just pack their own kosher food and hit the road and go check stuff out and heal and cry and grow. And, and uh, you know, they just, they go wherever they want now. They just, they, there's no, there's no rules anymore. Co-ed, not co-ed. You know, they're just, they, these guys, you know, have something interesting that I even potentially could grow from, will travel. You know, and it's a massive population of these people. I mean, these people are, They do population big, you know, like they they like, they proliferate, these people. (laughs) And so their kids are growing up with these wingnut parents who are, you know, and wingnuts are good because you don't need tools, as we discussed. But the kids are growing up with these wingnut parents who are like super open minded, yet Hasidic. And so it's it's just going to be really interesting watching this going to be really interesting and and i myself you know i'm i'm a pretty big leader in that in that world and and the people tell me that if i if i attempted to do what i'm doing right now 30 years ago it would never ever ever no way but today i'm invited all the time to the the actual Rebbe's homes to sit with them for a half hour an hour or more to talk out the generation and to and much appreciation much appreciated. yesterday i sat with one of the biggest rabbis in the world and he's just sending me pe- person after person I have my calendar's it's filling up with this one rabbi alone and this already and this is one of the bigger khasidez but one of the biggest groups in the world that rabbi sent me more people than uh, he sends me his rabbis for consultation consultation and to help get there, kind of get with it you know because because you've got to be if You've got to be in the groove of the community if you're going to be leaving anybody. So you're either going to lose your job, ultimately, or you're going to catch on to what's <laughs> happening around around you. So it's actually, in the, it's not just that I'm tolerated, it's, it's like a welcoming, like, please help us. Please help us get our finger on the pulse of 2018 Hasidim. And anything I'm describing, by the way, I'm downplaying it times a hundred. I mean, it's really pretty incredible what those guys are up to. And um, because there, there's also another thing, is that is that Hasidic people don't care about civil law. <laughs> they just don't care about it. They're like, we've got enough laws and customs for like, <laughs> like. Don't tell me about civil law. You know, like it just it means nothing to them. I mean, you can. You take my word yeah you don 't have to take my word for it. Just go walk, cross the train tracks, and just watch just watch what cars are doing. Just watch what cars are doing now i mean it 's really funny to watch now, there is a lack of police force on the on the north side of the train tracks in Jerusalem just because civil officers are not that welcome over there, so like you know they, they they're just they kind of stay out of there anyway but but anyway, but if you go over there and just watch the traffic, it's crazy it's crazy, especially the American side of town where a lot of them have, more of them have cars, so that that you guys know that north um, west northwest part of Jerusalem called Ramayma, the, you know Ganigula, that whole area, Shamgar bells that are oh, you got to look four times before you cross the street over there. You know, you never know what's going on, and there's going to be some under kid, underage kid with fake ID driving some like, you know, rent a wreck, you know, <laughs> some totally illegal rental company by another Hasidic guy, and there and no, no no insurance, you know. <laughs> is one of my son's friends didn't know there, that there's an emergency brake. And so he just got out of the car and the car just rolled down the hill and just went into the forest, you know, just tumbled down into the forest. And the kids just, like, climbed down to the car, got his stuff out, and went home. <laughs> anyway, so... So the, the accelerated pace... See, the rest of us who actually had some regard for civil law. When when you're if you're in a really crazy mood, you know, it's still in the back of your mind, you know. But the, these people don't have that in the back of their mind. It's not there. So <laughs> And if I can illustrate this even further, if I haven't illustrated this far enough, but if I can illustrate it even further is that the um Oh, no, no, this is another point, but it's an important point, and we're kind of touching the subject, so I just want to mention this, too, is um, the unconditional... If you're going to raise your kids keeping Torah, the unconditional love, and I know those of you who were here before I started, I spoke about this, so I'll just do it quickly, is that uh, that if you're going to raise kids keeping Torah, you know, which is, anyway, a pretty crazy idea in this generation, but if you're going to do this... So it's really important that you create an insurance policy for your children to make sure they're going to make it. Because it's not good for a child to be raised in a Torah mindset and later to fall away into a secular world. They don't do well there. They're just not built for that. You're either raised secular and you live in the secular world or you're raised in Torah and you live in the Torah world. But being raised in the Torah world and then Trying to pretend you're secular because things didn't work out in the Torah world, it don't go so well. And let me explain why, just to give you the real deep mechanics of why this doesn't work so well. And the reason is, is because there's two major things that are going on all the time in humanity. One is called Klaw, and one is called Prat. Klaw and Prat, and this pen's lame. You know, we're gonna retire this pen. This is always a trick. It looks like nothing to throw on that shelf, but there's a. I just have a small aperture between the the roof uh, decor decor and the shelf. I do this once every couple of weeks. It's not easy, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> I just sort of want to hit these guys. Normally there are two guys right there. Nope. Okay, throw it over the top. There's a whole graveyard up Col-olution. there. Nice, nice, Lucian, with the assist. <laughs> so there's something called clow, and there's something called "prop." And what those two words mean? clow means um, to be uh, part of group. It's part of or it's group. Let's call it. And then there's individual individual so there's group and individual and we all play both meaning when you were in your mother's womb for nine months you were playing group okay you were totally in this undifferentiated oneness totally conscious i mean you didn't know nothing so you were just like that you know but, but you're in there for sure and you know you're in there because you're in there and the uh, b- by the way you only know you're in there from the 40th day because the soul doesn't come in until the 40th day. But once you hit the 40th day, you're in this total part of situation. You're in cloud. Okay, those who are... New, I don't, it looks like every single person in here was raised observant, except for like two. But uh, raise your hand if you're raised observant, please, keeping Shabbat, those types of things. Uh, keep your hand up for a sec. Uh-huh, so... Okay, so it's like... Uh, it's 28 out of 30. <laughs> Uh, we're a big cure organization here, so the. um you then. No, no, no uh, this, this dude over here, and uh, this dude over here, right? You weren't racist, no? Nah. Those guys. <laughs> so, anyway, there's group, and then there's individual. When you were, you spent your first nine months in group. Which is really important, too, because, because it's not just regular group, it's undifferentiated oneness. You're just spinning around inside a sauce, you know, of love. You're in love sauce, yeah? It's, it's amazing. And then, and then one day something went terribly wrong. One day something went terribly wrong, and you were born. And everyone's yelling Mazel Tov, and you're like, what the hell happened? You know? Like, who just ruined everything? You know, and, and, and now you're, like, outside, and, and it's like, wow. Like, and you notice, you know, ever since then, you've been trying to get back in there. Yeah? So, at least the men. So, anyway, the, you'll notice that, I'm kidding, the women, too. Ever since then, we've just wanted to be held. Like, we just want love. We just want connection. We just want to be part of something. I mean, all of you in this classroom, anyway, you're only in here because the world of Prat, you know, it it's nice, you know, it's certainly a lot of powerful things to discover and great, but, like, how far in do I want to go over there if I'm going to be letting go of Klau, which is part of the Jewish people, because we're part of Klau, Yusuf, and that's community. So, and all the people in this room are raised, observing, are right now just saying, like, Shh, whoa, like I need to know more about the claw part of my upbringing that wasn't taught to me so much because the system doesn't teach it in general. It's not part of the curriculum. And so you're just trying to find out if klaw has got anything worth hanging around for. People raised secular who are not part of community, which is everyone raised in America that's for sure or North America I don't know much about South America but if you're raised in secular society it is all about what? Prop it's all about individuality that's it individuality and you know you make your Facebook profile and your Instagram and you're just like you're the stuff man and you're like you just be the Marlboro Man you know you see anybody else in a Marlboro Man billboard? Anyone else there, his wife and kids, you know, hanging around him in the Marlboro billboard? You're the Marlboro man or the Marlboro woman. And your whole job is to be as individual as possible. I mean, and it's incredible what's happened as a result of this level of individuality. It's just like, because you really push the limits when you, when everyone's at least supposed to be as strong an individual as possible. That's a lot of horses running towards development, industry, technology. You know, invention. You know, it really accelerates things. Whereas when you have Eastern tradition like Islam, or or you have uh, all these other things, people are part of Hinduism, and where you're like really kind of tied to this rituals going on. Whereas you know, when, sorry, when you're in that world, in the ritual world. Of you know these these religions, so your claw world's very strong, but the Prot world, I mean, when's the last time anything good came out of a Muslim country? Well, you got an example. So, you know, and by the way, I have nothing against Muslim countries. I'm just not going to be looking there for like the next Silicon Valley or something. It's just not going to be going on over there. Whereas uh, Jews in Israel, which is interesting, because all the Jews who surgically reinstalled their foreskins, otherwise known as secular Israelis, they are like the ultimate individuals. I mean, those people are like, they are running. You know, Those horses are running to invent and invent and invent. And it's really, they've done some you know fantastic work. They happen to be going extinct as far as child rate, birth rate. Child birth rate, they're going totally extinct. But until they go extinct, they're certainly making a big impact. You know, so they've probably got another 30 years left, perhaps. 30 years. Yeah, probably 30 years. Why is that? Well, think who's being born this hour. So all those young Haredi kids are going to be 30 in 30 years. And all the people who are 30 now are going to be 60 they're going to be retiring from their startups. Okay? And the and the helm's going to be taken by people who actually keep the Torah. The original Jewish person. And perhaps maybe the reason why the Tops lost their grip today, the reason why the leadership's lost their grip on the community, is because prop needs to come in right now. I mean, as the as the Kalal people, because you cannot get more claw than Haredi Jews. When you want group mentality, whoa, we outdo them all. I mean, Muslims don't hold a candle to a Hasidic group. I mean, we've got uniform down to a science. And when I say uniform, I don't just mean physical, I'm talking uniformity. uniformity. I meet people, I mean, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I actually meet people who there's nobody home. I met one right now. I mean, he was such a curious guy. I was taking my bike out of my van to get in here. And I was taking my bike out of the van, and this <laughs> sort of guy walks up to me and says, uh, do you have a cigarette? He was asking me if I had a cigarette. And I'm pulling a mountain bike out of a car. I've, I've just done like 30 miles in the desert, you know? And, and I'm like, yeah, I don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> And he's like, why not? And I'm like, I'm an athlete. You know? And He's like, what's the connection? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, when your body's moving and your lungs start breathing, so you're gonna need your lungs for, you know, for the air, for your blood flow, and you know, your, your blood needs oxygen, it's gonna go to your heart. And you don't want your heart working double time because you could, you could fail and you wind up going upstairs early. And you don't want to show up there early. We got mitzvahs to do. And he was just kinda, ha. Oh, oh. He thought that was funny. <laughs> and then he, he just walked on. No was for him. So, so the, um, anyway, but we really do group. <laughs> I it's, mean, it's quite amazing. And I, f- I feel bad a little bit for my children because my children were raised to be extremely individually. Mm-hmm. Imagine being my kid, you know, and they're being in, they're in the schools. They're in Yiddish speaking, Hasidic schools. And they're also, I don't know how this happened, but my kids are like geniuses. And I'm not saying that because I'm their father. I could literally show you their grades. And it's insane who these kids are. I mean, I think it comes from my wife personally, because, you know, those who know me pretty well know I'm not that smart. You know, I'm very street wise very streetwise, but please don't ask me for any details. <laughs> I'm almost sure they got this from my wife. you know. And she was, I mean, she was a straight-A student all the way through university, whereas I left school when I was 11, you know. So, anyway, the, um, so they, they, my kids just don't know what to do with themselves because they're really good. So they're in totally in the system. They're not rebellious of the system at all. Really good kids and top marks. But, they come home crying. You know, they come home crying. I have to do like damage control when they get home to just like pump up their individuality back to normal. Pull out the pens and the paper and the and the paintbrushes and the and the craft beer and you name it. You know? So my kids are all major craft beer connoisseurs. I figure if they can drink mother's milk, they can drink beer. Now Oh, one sec. We got to keep doing this. Now, I told you we're not very interested in civil law around here. So, now, okay. So we got Klaw and we got Prat. Oh, there's another reason. Talking about wet noodles. Another reason. My kids are raised to like save the world. So they're raised to save the world. So. For a guy to actually pass my test to marry the girl has to be a guy who's thought through life's issues and has decided to save the world, not because his father is saving the world, but because he figured it out. You can't really be a leader if you haven't figured out the system and what it is you're here to champion, what cause you're here to champion to make the world a greater place. So meanwhile, my kids only want to marry Hasidic people. That's all they're interested in. So all you guys can go take a cold shower, you know, except for these two in the back. And the, uh, they only want to marry Hasidic people. and they, uh, But i got to find a guy who's actually, like he has an approach to life that he's figured out, not one that was given to him, but his own approach. And so that's pretty rough. It's a big pressure, too, because you can't just keep him in the house too long. You know, in, in the Hasidic world, there's a push from below coming up. you, know, you got to graduate each kid. And while they're fresh. So. <laughs> matcha, matcha. Would you guys give me a bracha, please? That, that everything should go smoothly. May, I marry, may Rabbi Yom to marry off his children smoothly. Each one. All like that. And, I, and you know what? You're all welcome to each of the simchas. Okay? Each simcha. Please come. Everybody. And if you're watching this live or on whatever channel, tour time, so. Everyone's welcome to the wedding. Our last wedding had a thousand guests at it. So, it's kind of an open house event. Yeah. <laughs> now, now there's, um, anyway, there's group and then there's individual. But here's the thing. If your world of clow, if your world of group blows up because of whatever happened there, meaning bad parenting, lack of... Um, <laughs> Bad parenting, or another definition of bad parenting, is conditional love, which is bad parenting. But if something goes wrong there, or, I mean, obviously, weird uncle Yankee, you know, could really mess up a kid. And and there's... um, But if, if something goes really wrong in the claw world, and they no longer are in the claw world, so they have a whole other world waiting for them. It's called the individual world. But you can't just go from a black hat home And go out to the secular world. You know, (laughs) imagine the guy leaving the first days. Okay, you start with the right foot. You know, heading out into the secular world. You know, they don't care what foot you start on out there. You know, you can come out walking on your hands if you're acrobatic. But you can't make it because you're just different. You talk funny. You know what they've nicknamed these kids? You know what they nicknamed them? They're called Tuna Biegels. Tuna Biegels. Yeah, like the word "buy" b u y, tuna bagels. Yeah, you know why they're called tuna bagels? Because if you're Hasidic, you don't say "a" with the two dots. You say "i." Don't ask why, but you just do. It's "i." So they call bagels bagels. And so what happens? That kid who went off the path. He's trying to be as secular as possible. Need the shrimp cocktail, and you know, and eat the you know the pork chops and the you know the. But what happens is he gets what's called, you, you know, Goyim have something called a Big Mac attack? But if you're raised Hasidic, you have what's called a tuna bagel attack. A tuna bagel attack. You gotta get a tuna bagel. You just gotta have one. So what are do you doing? You're walking down the street, you're nowhere near your shtetl you grew up in, but you see a deli, you know? And it's a kosher style deli, even though it's not kosher. And so he waits in line patiently. It's finally his turn. Hey, you know, there's a bunch of old Jews around there in Queens, somewhere like that. And he says to the... It's his turn. He says, uh, one tuna bagel. And the person behind the counter says, bagel. And the whole place looks at him and says, shulam <laughs> You can't just come from the group world and just think you're going to, like, somehow get along in the prop world. When you're raised secular, you're born and raised for this. This is like... This is your meat and potatoes, man. Like, like Your individuality is is like born and you're born and bred for this. You can't just jump into there as a teenager, but here's the scary part, and this is how I segwayed over here. Here's the scary part. You see, if you're raised secular, you have red lines. There's stuff you won't do, and you won't do it. Any. I mean, you have some kind of weird covenant, because it must have been you felt weird inside, or guilty, or whatever went wrong there, You never go back there. Or all you have to do is see someone else do it. And say, I'm not doing that. So there is a red line, but guess what kind of red line secular people have? An internal red line. That's yours. And you don't cross that red line. But if you raise your kids, and this is what's so dangerous, this is why we have to love our kids unconditionally, because we can't risk this, is if you raise your kids observant, it's an external red line. The red line's the Torah and the Halacha. It's Torah and Halacha. It's the laws. That's an external red line. And so if your home wasn't safe because you loved conditionally and your kids are watching you and the way you speak at the Shabbos table about this group or that guy or this one or that one, just walking down the street and here you give that that posnish sound out of your mouth or anything. They just watch your facial muscles when you walk by certain people and your kids just realize, hey, my father's got a lot of judgment for that kind of person or community or thing or whatever it is. Meanwhile, that kid's fantasizing about all kinds of stuff because kids are living in dreamland. And therefore, my father wouldn't really love me if he knew that. He wouldn't really love me. Which means... And since I think I am that person, because kids in their imagination think they are that person, if they're thinking, I I get adults. I get 18, 19, 20-year-olds coming up to me saying, saying like, you know, does God still love me after what I've done? Or does God still love me after what? And I'm just like, he orchestrated it. Like God was running the show for the sin you did. Like God's, God's crazy about you. God's so crazy about you that he he helped you sin. Now, in the end, you had the choice. You made the wrong choice, but God was running the show. He's orchestrating your life. Now, the, when you don't have internal red lines and, you're, and the kid now has gotten uh, expelled, or should we say, this is the danger, they say if a principal expels a kid from the Hasidic community, If a principal expels a kid, he's a murderer. Why? Because that kid's now going out. And he doesn't know how to get along out there, and he doesn't have red lines. Because if he's not using the Torah as red lines, he ain't got no red lines. And hell's the limit, man. Because he can go deep, dark, and down so fast that secular people see the guy, and they're just like, what the hell is wrong with that guy? And you probably, some of you know, like you've seen people partying around and you're just like, uh, like what is that guy thinking? You know, and the answer is he just doesn't know where to stop. You know, where to apply, where to apply brakes, because he wasn't raised in that kind of area. He doesn't know where to stop himself. And so, and so they wind up in a lot of trouble real quick. And here's the worst part about it: where do you go when you ran into trouble? Where does every kid go when they run into trouble? who do they call? They call home. When you get in trouble, you call home. Can they call home? No. They can't call home. And hence we've had, we've had just an insane amount. It's all kind of kept secret now. I don't know why. Last year they publicized everything. This year they're keeping everything secret. But there's, this the weirdest thing. There's you, you want to know something? The, the, the suicide rate of the black hat community teenagers, of boys and girls in that community, the suicide rate almost did not exist like five years ago. Meaning it was, was maybe it was one year or something. It was like, it didn't exist. There was no such thing as a suicide rate. Not that long ago. Maybe it was a little more than five years, six years ago. Didn't exist. Never would have heard of it. And if you heard of it, it was some freaky case. You know, that anyway, like, it was a mentally ill person. It wasn't a normal person. It wasn't a person who had known to call. Because they had fallen off the earth like that. Um, but the the rates, um, I don't remember the rate. Um, I, I did check it out a couple months ago, but now they're just like hushing it a lot now. So I don't know the rate. Um, anyone know the rate? Too many. Too many. It's too many. But it's, it, it, what did it get to? 145. 144 last year. Yeah, and they're all from, like, top families, because as I said before, it's the top families that have the conditional love going on. You understand? It's the top families that have the unsafe home for the child's sense of safety. So the, it was all top families. So that's why it gets extra hushed too, because it's top families. Anyway, but Baruch Hashem, in the last years, there's, been more, there's more help for them. And I've been able to help a lot of them. And, and I also, um, my seminars, which cost $750, are um, free for them. So, so anyone who's in that category it comes to my seminar for free. And not only that, anyone who's uh, an administrator of a school comes also for free.
1: And I've had many
0: already. So, and that's three things. It's a principal, a dean, which is called a minahel, otherwise known as min ha hel from hell. okay A dean, uh, uh, whether it's a, a rosh yeshiva, a minahel, or a, or a mashkiach. As long as they're in charge of lots of people, because I want them, you know, hopefully bringing more healing into their institutions and less poison. The way they're treating the kids who are jumping, they're either jumping out of the or they're jumping off bridges. So we gotta, we gotta get those kids with some healing leaders, healing uh, administrators, and stuff. Now um, <laughs> <coughs> we're born rebels. Jews are born rebels. This is this is what we're we're about. Like we're here to be a wrench in the spokes of Westernism and all of its progress. And we're not against progress. But we are against surface. We're against shallow. We're not into that. We're into deep. And we're but progress is great, but stay connected to God while you progress. Stay. Keep it all connected to the the Creator. You know, don't ignore your Maker. And I'm saying Maker in present tense, not the one who made you. Don't enjoy the Maker who's making everything happen all around you at all times. Um, so we we are we are rebellious against the society that's against God, that's against goodness and morality, and but we ourselves have the issue of being uh, we, we have to put our kids somewhere and so and so we put them in the system and the system is uh, you know not that healthy a place to be if you at least if you're jewish we're here to rustle the feathers we're here to make trouble and uh, and to make this world heal and become a greater place not just to protect our little community and make it as insular and u- uniform as possible so that perhaps we could somehow survive living amongst the exiles we're supposed to be a light unto the nations we're supposed to be making a big difference for the planet but instead the planet's like literally falling out of orbit from its the weight of its issues so Let's make him proud. Shalom, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.